to the Back in Business podcast. I'm business journalist, broadcaster and podcaster, Mickey Clark. And I'm small business journalist, Liz Barkley. And we're starting our Round Britain city tour today in Cardiff, virtually, of course. Um, but in Cardiff, small businesses and self-employed people have been doing their best to survive through this pandemic and to thrive, if at all possible, as have businesses elsewhere. And what we want to know is what Cardiff is doing well in supporting small businesses and what the business environment and the local economy will look like as it's rebuilt. And we'll ask what the impact is the virus has been having on Cardiff in particular and in comparison with other cities. We have the man who chairs the Youth Development Agency as well. He'll be along shortly. And if the dreaded B word and the dreaded virus weren't enough to deal with, we've some business threatening weather going on out there in the past few days, Mickey. Um, I'm worried that businesses that have been doing okay uh, and still open perhaps will be wiped out on some of these awful floods that we've been reading about, particularly in the Northwest and in Wales. Um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a familiar pattern, Liz, isn't it? You know, each each autumn now we, we get the rain instead of the frost um, and we end up with the floods. And, you know, it, it just keeps putting people back. Unless you can uproot these businesses, take them to other areas and get them to start up again, this is going to keep happening and it's going to keep hitting, in, you know, companies' profits and the way they run. You know, we were talking about business interruption insurance on the podcast last week because we just had that Supreme Court decision that said that small businesses should have been paid out because they thought they were paying for policies that gave them interruption cover. But even if you even if you have flooding insurance, by the time you've got the insurance assessment, you dry out the premises, you replace the lost stock, your customers have gone somewhere else. Yeah, they lose interest. If, if you're shut for, for 18 months or you, you have to up sticks and move somewhere else for temporary accommodation, um, the insurers aren't quick to pay out. They're, they're not that clear on how, you know, what you're being covered for. Um, and the cost of the premiums, in many instances, you can't get the insurance cover. And secondly, the premiums are making such a dent in people's profits, particularly if you're a retailer, you know, a fashion retailer working on wafer thin margins. It's just not worthwhile. There must be an awful lot of businesses then this morning counting that additional cost on top of the whole cost of the virus, on the cost of Brexit. And I know that uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, Simon will tell us a bit more about that, what's happening around Brexit or Declan will tell us that. But, uh, you know, this seems to be a perfect storm, really, for an awful lot of businesses. And we've, you know, we've got figures this morning being bandied about that we've lost 10,000 pubs and restaurants already. 2021 is oh, going to be a disaster area. I, I've no doubt about that. I mean, we were all quick to wave 2020 goodbye and say 2021 can't be any worse, um, but it's proven to having fooled us because 2021 has got to a disastrous start, really, with the floods, Brexit, and and with the, uh, the COVID pandemic. So it is difficult for businesses. And we're assuming that the government will continue to support business and the economy by borrowing money, printing money, and that these businesses will still be there come whenever. Well, we don't know when it's going to be. I mean, it could be March. I think that's optimistic. You're looking more like May, June, and maybe into August. Are those businesses still going to be around? No, they're not, yeah. because they're not generating wealth. People aren't paying their mortgages uh, and are getting themselves into a lot of debt. 
And at risk of sounding like a broken record, we may get new businesses, but are we going to have the right skills in the right places at the right time in order to fill the roles that they bring along? Anyway, you know, we could rant on about this forever. Yeah. Uh, Declan Curry, our business editor, is here. Simon McVicker, our director of public affairs policy and communications. What's the week been like from your perspective? Who's going well, to the, jump in uh, first? Declan? The, the insurance... The insurance companies were out uh, on uh, Thursday uh, trying to reassure businesses and homeowners that uh, they would act quickly to help people recover uh, from the damage from Storm Christoph. But as you say, it takes time. It takes time for the damage to be assessed, for premises to be dried out, for infrastructure to be restored. And the insurance companies have been criticised mightily in the past for dragging their feet. Um, there, there were big floods around Doncaster uh, in 2019. There were still people out of their homes a year later waiting to go for those homes to be repaired and dried out and to go back in again. There were lots of businesses that were still re-establishing their premises uh, as well. There was a review into insurance after that, uh, a government review, but it was carried out by one of the key leading figures in the insurance industry, and it looked at how much protection people had uh, against flooding. And the answer was, well, a lot of people have switched off from insurance because they didn't think the insurers would be there when they were needed. So the industry promised at that point that it would do better. Let's see. Um, Declan, the point for me though is, and I alluded to this with Mickey, um, you've lost even You've lost your customers. The goodwill is gone. The customers have found somewhere else to get the supplies. And I'm pretty sure, you may remember this, I'm, I'm pretty sure there was research by, and it might have been the Association of British Insurers, I can't be sure, a few, many years ago, that showed that only a fifth of those businesses ever get back up and running again. Hmm. Does that, that wouldn't surprise me. That, that research I haven't seen, but it, it, it wouldn't surprise me because it is enormously disruptive as well as being uh, a frightening occurrence and uh, a threat to life it is hugely disruptive to uh, business and the way it operates and your heart goes out to those small businesses this morning that are looking at ruined premises and thinking uh, and, and thinking how could things be getting worse and yet they have and it's interesting i mean a lot of these businesses are established in towns which are exposed to flood risk they're family-run businesses. They're in the high street of, of this town. And it doesn't matter if you get paid out by the insurance companies. It takes time to dry out a wall, rewire the premises, in which time you've either got to shut up shop or move somewhere else. Where do you move to? Do you, do you move it to another town, another city? It, it, it's, it's a problem that we're, we're not getting to grips with, that if we're going to have these continual floods, people have got to refocus or rethink, or we've got to do something about it. And the government isn't spending the money on flooding like it said it would. The yeah, government says it is spending, uh, but uh, you know, how effective is it? There are two long-term issues here. One is flood defences uh, and how robust they are. And we see them being overwhelmed time and time again. We saw it in Ironbridge. We saw it in York uh, a couple of years ago when the, the centre of the city uh, was flooded. out. The longer one is what are we going to do about climate change? because that's clearly a factor in this. And that's an issue on which all businesses have some input. Simon, 
uh, we've not, uh, I was going to say, we've not exactly been flooded with reassurances. Maybe I shouldn't say that. Overwhelmed, that's it, with reassurances yeah. this yeah. week about yeah. when we're going to reopen and when, yeah. you know, yeah. when the pandemic's going to finish, have we? Well, I think it's very interesting uh, that uh, the, the Prime Minister, who is usually ebullient and optimistic and upbeat, his tone has changed since Christmas. He's definitely much more careful and reserved on, on looking forward. And, you know, where they are pleased, I think, with the way the vaccine rollout is happening. And that will, of course, have a long-term effect um, on the economy. I think... Um, the Prime Minister is is saying, really, it's far too early to be talking about lifting these restrictions on the economy in the short term. So any chance of opening them in early uh, March looks to be slipping through their fingers at the moment. I mean, you know, they have to, the vaccination programme, you know, you have, is 70 million people. That is going to take some time. And, um, you know, and, and, and while we're doing that, the virus is rampant. The new strains are rampant. So, um, you know, some bad news this week. Uh, Sage were saying that they do not want to see the pubs and restaurants and hospitality industry open before May at the earliest. And as Emma McClarkin of the British Beer and Pub Association said, they will be screaming May Day, if that's the truth. Because, I mean, as you said, many of them are facing financial ruin. And uh, we have some hints from the Chancellor this week, what might be in that budget. Um, if you're expecting a Biden-like stimulus package to help us all, well, forget it. He's telling Tory MPs there's no magic money tree. And if, he wants, if they want him to spend more money, then there will be tax rises. Well, he's so the Chancellor, who's, Simon, so the Chancellor who's already borrowed yeah, for... Exactly. But I think uh, he's, I think that's the point, isn't it? He's borrowed as much as he wants to borrow. So, you know. And is then, it, Simon, is it yeah. in for a penny, in for a pound, as far as Rishi Sunak's concerned? Yeah. Because once you've run up this sort of debt, you aren't going to just cancel it. You've, you're going to end up having to pay some of it back because there'll be a lot of defaults on that, that money that's been printed. Um, well, you're are, are they taking the view, we keep on running with it, we keep on borrowing the money? until such time as there is an improvement or light at the end of the tunnel. You look, he might be forced into to a position where he does have to borrow more money. But, you know, at the end of the day, he is a conservative politician and he believes in balancing the budget. The budget and he wants to get things back into balance sooner rather than later. Uh, and that's what he's basically saying to Tory MPs. Now, can I go back just very quickly to Brexit? Uh, very interesting this, this week. HMRC boss Jim Hara uh, was speaking to MPs and HMRC have done an impact assession, um, assessment on what the new customs declarations will mean to British business. And guess what? He's saying that the deal the government got makes no difference. It, it might as well have been a no deal. It will still cost British business around about £7.5 billion handling customs declarations according to HMRC. So that's exactly the same figure as they were quoting when they were talking about a no deal. So I'm afraid uh, business is getting it from all sides at the moment, uh, Liz. Uh, well, <laughs> I have to say, you couldn't be much more despondent, could you? 
I'm, I was looking for a bit of light relief. Let's see if the Welsh voices at the table can do a better job. Uh, you may notice we are talking about Cardiff today and they, so far there's been more Northern Ireland accents than Welsh. So let's get in David Evans, who runs the award-winning Youth Development Agency. And Sorry, I have can I just correct you? David Williams. Sorry, David Williams, of course. But Where it, I could I... be Evans based in Wales, I, I suppose. I suppose you could. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was obviously running through my head. David Williams youth development agency and i was just saying you run several other businesses david and we'll hear about lots of those i hope and let me just also introduce karen phillips who runs smart push ai which is a new business that specializes in automation and artificial intelligence and as if that and a new baby wasn't enough he's starting up another new business as well <laughs> so karen uh, <laughs> uh congratulations on the new baby uh david give us a picture of what's happening in Cardiff in particular. And I know that Cardiff, uh, what happens in Cardiff basically impacts the economy of the whole of the rest of Wales. But you know, it's it's big for all sorts of sectors like science and technology, finance sector, advanced manufacturing. Uh, you know, you're talking about even the culture and creative industries. Absolutely. Really, really important hmm. in Cardiff. Um, yeah. Happening? So I thank you very much for that really positive um, outlook on the UK, um, UK economy <laughs> going forward, because, you know, you, you've made some very, very salient points that I think impact not just you know, the wider UK, but I've felt very, very much here in Wales. And some of the things are quite interesting, you know, with the devolved powers and what has been what has happened within the four nations. I think we haven't seen the four nations acting as independently for a very, very long time. Um, and, you know, Wales is, is no exception to that. And we've kind of cut our own path. And, and some will say that was successful and others perhaps would be more um, reticent because <laughs> some of the some of the policies have been more restrictive than they have been on the other side of the uh, the other side of the, the bridge, particularly around. I think, you know, we have a very strong um, hospitality sector and we've talked about, you know, you, you mentioned hospitality, pubs, brains, the largest brewer in Wales. Um, is look, be looking like it's been taken over so you know historically brains brewery was the heart of cardiff i mean it has the brewery right in the center on the taff right in the city center it was one of the iconic buildings um and so we're now seeing a shift away from some of those city center economies kieran's really interesting because i think he really epitomizes one of the big growth areas within cardiff which is that tech um really high skilled um, can be work, you know, can be done from home to to an extent. There is an opportunity for remote working, which I think we're not just seeing in Cardiff and, and, and South Wales, but more more so across the UK, leads us onto another challenge with what we do with the existing stock, uh, office stock in the city centres. I think that's something that particularly Cardiff, uh, we we you know we invested high um, a lot of money in office space around the city center around the train station over the last five years that's still that's still now ongoing who is going to fill those and if there is no one to fill them how who bears that cost so i think that's going to be a really uh, pertinent consideration in the next uh, 18 months doesn't that have a knock-on effect on every other business around about absolutely uh, you know, that, this hollowing out issue that we've heard uh, yeah, expressed and, as. and we're definitely not immune. And I would argue probably we're a little bit more um, susceptible to it because we, we did go on this big, we had this big injection of, of capital to for these buildings. 
with the expectation that they that new businesses were coming. The BBC uh, have just taken residence of their new uh, offices in the city centre. I don't know whether how many people have actually used them uh, so far because everyone's working as, as much as they can remotely. So I think that hollowing out is going to impact the city centre. Um, you know, you're right to bring up the arts. So the Welsh National Opera, the, um, the Millennium Centre, they've lost a lot of revenue. Some of them have been able to adapt and go online, uh, but others are just not, there's nothing there for them. And hospitality, particularly around small catering companies and, and the pubs and the restaurants, you know, Welsh government policy has really shut them down very, very hard, harshly. Um, I'm not in hospitality, so, you know, but I do have, I know many, many people in oh. hospitality who've had to really adapt quickly. And right at the last minute, there was a great example um, for a, um, a restaurant called Heaney's in the city centre, and they do high-end, fantastic food. And it was like the Saturday night, he tweeted that Mark Drakeford, had, uh, the um, leader of the Welsh Assembly, uh, Welsh Government, had said, we're shutting all hospitality from Monday. And he said, you know, he said, like, I've, I've got all these potatoes that are steamed, ready to go out, all this food, what am I supposed to do with it? Now, he was fortunate enough, and I think, you know, Kieran can probably speak to this, um, having heard what he does. He was very quickly able to then repackage that and do it as delivery. So he had people picking up, so they'd prepare the food and, 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 and then be delivered out. The bit for me has been very much the adaptation of, of small business. I think small businesses have been hugely agile. But it's been, it's been already been said, you know, I think Mickey brought the point up that how, for how much longer can that, can that continue? And we are, you know, with our, with our, you know, my primary business with the Youth Development Agency, um, we, we concentrate on educational travel. Now, our lead cycle is anything from nine to 12 months. So when we talk about stimulus packages and government support, how long will that go on for to allow those industries to continue? Because with all, with all the goodwill in the world, if we started taking bookings again in the spring and people were confident enough, you're still looking at those not taking place until 2022. And so how do you sustain those small and medium-sized businesses with long lead cycles? So, you know, not so much the, the hospitality industry we hear a lot about, and we've heard a lot recently about the airlines with Cardiff, we've kind of has a, obviously an international airport, which is supported by Welsh government. Um, but what are we going to do about those, those, those kind of businesses that sit in the middle, those tour operators that sit in the middle? So I think it's a mixed picture with, with Cardiff. We've done, we've been, there has been extra support from Welsh government, we could argue that that Westminster has um, played its cards and and held some things back and you know pushed 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 the impetus on Welsh government to um, create support packages. I really, if I'm honest, I do not know how positive it has been to have different tier systems across the four nations. Um, Cardiff is you know we're just on the other side of the border, M4 city. We do a lot of trade over towards Bristol in the west. Having these different rules for different parts of the UK has been re a real struggle for a lot of businesses who are um, perhaps delivering the other side of the other side of the border so um, I'd be interested to see what Kieran's kind of take on the mm -hmm. on the tech uplift has been. Go on Kieran. Um, yeah so um, I've uh, noticed well as, as you said that businesses are adapting uh, one of the uh, issues we identified is businesses are trying to do click and collect and and click and, you know, go to the business and drop, uh, collect it, and also delivery. Um, I've noticed a big spike in Uber drivers um, and big spike in Uber and delivery in, um, in general. Um, even across in smaller towns, Uber's picking up, but especially in Cardiff, you've got a lot of taxi drivers who are now going to do Uber, 
Uber Eats because they're not getting the fares to travel. So instead, they're uh, changing to delivery. And I think the technology, you know, that we needed to adapt, a, a nice, affordable click and collect system is what is kind of needed for the hospitality sector and retail sector, uh, to be honest with you, because um, researching this, a lot, you either have to get it developed yourself or it costs a fortune. There's not, there's not a, um, a solution out there that, that meets the demand. Um, and with businesses struggling with their bottom line already, um, with businesses struggling with their bottom line already, can they justify high costs just to get up running sooner? If there's an option for a lower cost solution, that's just as good or, you know, just as good or just does the job well, is that what can boost the economy in Cardiff? And that's what we're looking at at SmartPush, essentially, what we can do to help the economy in Cardiff and the wider economy across the UK with these solutions. What about funding, Kieran? I mean, you've talked about businesses adapting to different things, mm. different situations, which yeah. is a positive. You know, don't get we've yeah. had lots of business people come on who have been very positive about prospects and are always ready to adapt. But mm. what about funding to adapt? You know, there are going to be businesses out there that will need extra capital to yeah. adapt to another situation. Is that readily available? Uh, Apart from what, you know, what's out there at the moment, you know, with the package support packages, I haven't seen anything, you know, uh, uh, for adaptation, you know, there's, there's these business relief loans and grants and stuff like that, but I haven't seen anything to say, we'll give you this pot of money and then you go and adapt so you can stay open and keep staff on the books. Obviously, it seems to be more about survival rather than adaptation. So these grants and loans, from my opinion, seem to be more about survival, trying to get to that next quarter rather than adaption. Uh, with the amount and it depends when you started your business to even if you're eligible for these things it's so if you opened yeah. it, i think yeah. it's an absolute nightmare you know there's there's a lot been a lot said in westminster and and in cardiff in the senate about the amount of support for businesses and the amount of grants accessing those grants is not easy no matter what anyone says no. um you know we quite frankly you know we we all know that government bureaucracy is a you know we, we live in a bureaucratic system and yeah. they've been overwhelmed. So I think that small businesses particularly, and I speak to a lot of small businesses, some things have worked well, and I will give credit where credit's due. So uh, I know someone um, in the hospitality sector who, when they had their help out to eat out, although that probably seems to be um, a dim and distant past now, were very, very uh, pleasantly surprised with how quickly that was administered. And they were getting cash back into the business quite quickly. That was great. But this hodgepodge of pieces of money and how you've got to apply for it, I mean, it really hasn't helped businesses particularly to be able to plan. And that's what businesses need to do. We need to know what's happening in, in you know, the first quarter of the next financial year and second and third, you know, yeah. work to Kieran's point, trying to figure out what you're doing this month, the next month is no help to man or beast. It, it really isn't. I mean, if you look at the, 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 the Welsh economy in general, the UK economy generally breaks down between 80% service sector, 20% manufacturing. Is that replicated in Wales? Um, and at the same time, if it is, Wales had a very, rep well, reputation for buying businesses in. You know, you got to the stage in the late 80s, early 90s, that if you travelled through one valley, there was probably a Japanese television maker there. Yep. Um, they, they spent a lot of money hand over fist to bring these companies in and then when we had an oil crisis or an economic downturn bye bye and away they went 
Are they still doing that? Because I, I just thought about Ineos. Um, which yeah, was good, last good year, example. Yeah, that was last year. It is a good example. And, and Welsh government did have a policy, I think, uh, over many years. Of, you know, we did have an awful lot of those Japanese um, high-end manufacturing, so TVs and, and ele- electronics, consumer electronics. Um, and you're right. You know, they were they were often the first to go when, and we've seen. But we've, it's not just those those ones. We've seen Ford go. We've seen some of the bigger. You know, we've if you go down to Port Talbot, yeah, in Bridgend, go down to Port Talbot, and you look at what happened with with steel in Port Talbot. You know, this isn't a new thing in terms of how the economy is changing, and you know, there's a wider conversation to have about economic policy as to, with the devolved power. I think. Um, but in terms of you know, going back to your question about the eighty twenty split particularly Cardiff and the capital region. And we must remember that Cardiff doesn't just encompass the city. It does bring in the, 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 the smaller towns surrounding it. Um, it does act as a hub for other businesses. And, um, you know, we are moving. We, we've seen tech startups, particularly in the city, there were tech startups moving from London into, into, into Cardiff and South Wales um, because of government support for the tech industry, for the high-end tech industry, yes. but also because of lower costs of living. Um, the, the, the labor was cheaper, quite frankly. The labor costs were cheaper here than they were in, in London. Um, and so we have seen a shift, but we're still you know, very highly reliant on tourism. We're highly reliant on um, mm-hmm. the hospitality sector, particularly- so the service sector, basically. Service sector, yeah. yeah because- yeah, because also they've built in that new stadium in the bay as well. So how is that going to go in the future? How are they future-proofing that, essentially? The Red Dragon Centre is being replaced with a, a new uh, entertainment venue, which is meant to be bringing business to the hospitality sector and bringing new business, uh, new jobs. But how are they going to support that if nobody's going to go out or if those businesses around this stadium are just gone, essentially? And that's what yeah. you have to look at as well. Yeah, I think, I think and again, you, we will... I do think there will be a staycation boom. I think that we got, we are going to see that. And I think Cardiff and South Wales will benefit from that. You know, we've got a lot to offer down here in, in South Wales um, and, you know, across the, across the nation um, as well, you know, in the North and the West, but we do this M4 corridor is the, it is the attraction, you know, we bring a lot of, a lot of money flows down that motorway. And so we will see a, a bit of a staycation boom, but to, to Kieran's point, that's great when we're looking maybe, well, hopefully six months, nine months out. But how do we really level up the, to use a, to, to use a government term, level up the economy in South Wales and in Wales in general um, past that date? Liz? Um, yeah, I just, I'm just hearing all of this. And I take your point, David, about planning because we've, the small businesses that we've had on this podcast since we started in May have simply cried out for some certainty so they could Parity. plan. And if, yeah, clarity. And if you can't do it, if you can't plan, then, you know, you're yeah. firefighting all the time and it's not effective. So I'm just wondering from Kieran's point of view, though, about, uh, you know, you're agile, you're you're part of the new generation of businesses. There yeah. possibly will be a new economic structure that we're dealing with if, you know, if, if we can ever get our thinking joined up. But how do you find the right skills? Is it easy enough to find the right uh, skills that you need to deliver your business and the new one you're thinking of as well? Yeah, so so um, I guess I'm in regards, I've, I've, I have a tech background. Um, I've been working in the tech industry since I was a teenager, um, since I was old enough to work, essentially. 
and I had that passion when I was young. But what my business, I guess, um, specializes in is a lot is um, no code, what's called no code solutions. What no code solutions is you think of your Wix, you think of your Squarespace, you think of these builders, essentially you know, like your Wix, your Squarespace and those options. And so what, what I've noticed is, is, is there's, um, there's like lack of local support within for businesses. So, so what we picked up is we specialize in low builders and we specialize in the support if things go wrong, because like as a business owner, you don't want to spend half an hour, 45 minutes, an hour on, on Wix customer support. I'm not saying those are solutions we use, but we offer that extra support, like an IT service provider would essentially. You know, you can go out and buy your own Dell computer and run it yourself, but you hire an IT person to do it because you don't want to either use the time or have the skills to do it. So in my regard, it's quite, you know, it's easy to quite train people up to do what I do, to do what we, we do in essential, but it is... But we will have to include developers and there is a need for essentially getting more people into maybe computer sciences, um, you know, outside of university. Because what I find is if you want to be a developer, they always ask for university degrees. But what if you don't want to go to university because there's an agile program online you can do that can teach you um, just as well in some regards, uh, you know, and, and a practical so it's it's and it's kind of lowering the barrier to entry as well to, to attract people into these positions to learn these skills. I find myself um, because there's plenty of programs you can do in self teach to code uh, that can get you into those industries. Oh, uh, you, found... you need to shift quickly. Uh, can we shift? Yeah. Sorry, David. Go. You. you I was just going to answer I, that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Can we shift quickly? But the, the question I was going to ask Kieran was you know, Kickstarter was supposed to help with that. And I, and I completely yeah. hear you about this, mm. uh, almost as appren these apprenticeships that need to happen within the tech, yeah. tech industry that take young people from school who don't want to have a university um, trajectory mm. into your kinds of industries. Would, have you taken advantage of that? Is How is that looking at you? Have you taken, so you know, so I haven't taken advantage of that. It's something we're looking into. Um, basically, when we get to the point where we're hiring, a to my opinion, I have to check with my co-founder on this, a university degree is not going to be a requirement, um, essentially, because um, I didn't go to university um, myself. Um, uh, because sometimes life happens that you can't go to university, but you can study from home. There's plenty of coding websites, for example, you can learn to code and, and you can provide a portfolio you know, just like a, a load of different industries. You don't have to go to art, you know, you don't have to go to art school to be an artist, for example. If you can show you can paint, then you can potentially sell your paintings. And it should be the same in the coding world. If you can show you can code and you've got demos and you can then go and then give this like a portfolio essentially. And a lot of people who do like these industries have been doing them for years. So they either just haven't gone to university or they struggle or a career change in later life if they've been doing it. That's a struggle as well. The entry requirements are ridiculously high and in some regards they have to be, but in some regards it is a hindrance for people retraining, you know, having to take a low paid job a lower paid job or potentially um not being in employment for a while where they might not be able to afford that especially during this time and i i can't remember the company name but there is a company i think they are in cardiff that are offering free coding for people on furlough and this company is now offering free coding programs for people on furlough uh, and the idea is you can access this site for free until you get a job in tech now these are the push forwards that i think we need for people to redevelop their skills to get into these industries uh, essentially 
Have you had any, so, in, you know, keeping it kind of well-centric and perhaps Cardiff-centric, mm. have you found there's been any support for that kind of vision within the city? Because, you know, Cardiff does see itself as uh, leading the way in some respects in terms of bringing tech firms on. Yes. Have you had those conversations with, with local government, with Capital Region? I, I haven't yet. It's something I do want to try and get my door in with the Welsh Government um, and speak to uh, potentially people in the Welsh Government about things, especially tech and moving forward and how business could move forward. Because the biggest story I found is, I know it's not just Wales, but it's UK, is Premark has finally gone online. So if, yeah. if, if a business like Premark finally gone online, then clearly there's a cry for this titanic shift of businesses being able to perform online and do click and collect um, and, and those options as well with like restaurants being able to offer delivery or collection uh, and all these different regards and other businesses. So I think it does need, it does need to be a push in regards to um, programs, maybe essentially programs to uh, uh, entice, not entice young people because you don't want the wrong people in the wrong jobs, but you know, the people who have that passion to understand the barrier entry is not you know can be lowered and you don't need a university degree to do certain things you know and then you can get in because even like the car you know even like the um the government asks for like degrees and stuff and or like 10 years of experience on side on side of that so it is essentially we need to get these people who don't want to go to university and a lot of them are people who want a code they don't want to go to university. They don't want the three, five, you know, three, four years. And Karen, have you have, have you a, a, taken advantage of the government schemes to provide funding for any companies that want to take on apprenticeships, or or do you not qualify? Is it just something you don't um, think is worthwhile? I haven't looked into it yet. Being a new company, I haven't looked into the actual programs on how you know these, like with the Kickstart scheme, how these young, how these people are paid. If I, you know, if they have to come out of the business pocket and then the government recoup them, or if the government just hands you money every month to run your payroll, simply because obviously I think it does affect businesses where they just don't have the money to give and the to cash up front. Yeah, they don't have it, and that was I think a. Um, a thing with um you know with a lot of the jobs growth whale scheme as well um where the businesses have to pay themselves and then they get recouped by the government but if you don't have the cash up front you can't utilize that thing and i think jobs growth whales is a was i don't well is a, a is a new thing you know it's a great thing that should attack the tech sector not attack but go to the tech sector more yeah that's actually not that's coming to an end now um yeah in, in march so sorry liz i can see you i think declan had a question that he wanted to get in there Declan, you sent me a little message with a question mark. Are you? <laughs> Did that mean you wanted desperately to get into? No, it, 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 no, it doesn't. But listening to this sort of um, great example from Wales, it did make me think about some of the announcements we've had during the week about overhauling vocational training and skills training in England, which Gavin Williams and the England Education Secretary has been talking about, and there there was a greater recognition that, uh, first of all, a university degree is not the only pathway to success. And secondly, that training in further education colleges in England needs to be tied more closely to the needs of local businesses and local employers. And that, Kieran, that sounds like that would be the type of prescription that uh, you would offer. Yeah, I definitely, I'd be keen to work with, you know, young people who want to work in the sector, you know, through uh, schemes, but the government would need to obviously assist with things, because the government would need to assist, I think, I think it does need to be an injection of some regard, in, more of an investment than a survival into, like, these technologies and getting people retrained or 
a, a, a pathway because I didn't know there was a pathway. I basically started a business because I, I, I didn't, I, apparently I didn't qualify to get a tech job. There's a wider problem though, isn't it? Where, yeah. Whereby we, we say that, you know, Gavin Williamson can, can say to these blue in the face that vocational qualifications are equal to a degree. But until we start to see the equality further up the chain, yeah. I, it drove me absolutely mad. I see David Cameron um, when he was the leader um, say, you know, say exactly this. But until you go to the boys in Eton and say, taking a vocational qualification is exactly the same value as a degree, you are not mm. going to get that levelling up. And well, this, it'll be levelled out in the pay packet eventually, won't it? I, but I don't. Sorry, Liz is. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just trying. I'm just thinking about this whole thing about where, you know, where we're going to end up in terms of the local economy in Cardiff, and you know, the, the, the everything, the environment is changing. The whole business environment mm. is changing, and I'm thinking about the role that small businesses like Kieran's will play in that. The role like small businesses like the ones that you. David run as well as running the Youth Development Agency and how we get young people into jobs because we, they're really struggling at the moment to find two th- yeah. opportunities. There's two things, isn't there? There's A, there's the, I think as Kieran, Kieran says, there's, there has to be clearer pathways for, for young people into employment yeah. that has the same similar value to degree entry. The second thing is actually um, enterprise education. We just don't do it well. We don't do enterprise education within um, the secondary the secondary system and, and the and the college system very well. So we you know we condition people to have to go to work for someone else as opposed to doing what Kieran has done and, yeah. and, and set up his own business. So why aren't we then looking at, at the uh, yeah. that that's that step down as opposed to having it as you know yeah. Kieran has was for he, I I don't want to speak for you Kieran but it sounds like you're saying you had no other choice so that's what you decided to do. Basically, yeah. Well, I, I think I've always had the entrepreneurial spirit, essentially. I've had the entrepreneurial spirit since I was a little kid. I, I had family, um, I have a family who have run businesses. But yeah, that was my only entry into a lot of the tech market. It was, was starting my own thing. And and then and luckily, I've had a good network to help me with that. But that was like literally my only entry in. I think, you know, the Cardiff does have a very bright future. And there's been a lot of investment in in the city. And Welsh Government and the Cardiff Council are concentrating on making Cardiff the a leader in those next generation jobs. So those tech jobs, those yeah. fintech jobs, those jobs which we're seeing, again, as, as, as Mickey has already said and alluded to, much more service-based than manufacturing, mm-hmm. which was the traditional heart of the South Wales Valleys. So we are seeing a shift. Um, I think that COVID has created a bit of a, um, a road bump. Um, but I don't think with the innovation that we have in the city, um, it's going to be... Um, well, it's, it's focused attention on certain weaknesses within the, within the economy, yeah. within business. Retail is a classic example of that. Yeah. So is the airline industry. It's pointed out problems that they're going to have to face in the future. And it's no good putting yeah. it off now. Um, yeah, interestingly, interesting you should say that. Um, and David, maybe you know that there is a report coming out uh, today... Well, actually, today is Friday we're recording. However, today when we publish the podcast, Monday, the new (laughs) report comes out. And it's saying that COVID-19 has hit the economy of Welsh cities really hard. Uh, COVID-19's economic damage makes the task of improving the economy of Wales's cities and spreading prosperity more difficult. And that's according to the Centre for Cities, their annual study of the UK's urban areas so uh, there is a big job 
to be done there. David, what do you think the next 12 months are going to look like in terms of rebuilding and really thinking? Because I think we need joined up thinking that we simply don't completely have. agree with you. I can absolutely agree with you with the joined up thinking. It's very difficult when you say the 12 months, because at the moment we have no idea when that 12 months starts to start to tick. Because until I think we get out of lockdown, until we get out of some um, back to some sense of normality. So schools going back and, and, and people being able to actually be productive because the unit of work is, is being diminished um, in terms of people's output. We, we won't be able to start that 12, that 12 months, but for people in Cardiff, I think the we do have some some things which are which are going in our favour. So we do have you know world beating um, attractions in the city that will draw people back during the for tourism. So I think tourism will pick up will pick up quite quickly. Um, I think people will, the staycation boom will happen. Um, I think that more people are working online. So tech industries like Kieran's can hopefully uh, lead the way in, in in bringing those people who maybe being taken out of jobs. The key bit will be where the Welsh government can invest in retraining so people can take up some of those opportunities that people like Kieran have. Um, so I don't know what will happen uh, and you know whether that's nationally with, with, with the Chancellor's announcement for the new budget. That's what is key, will, will drive the success or the failure, I think, um, of, of Cardiff and actually probably most of the UK, if I'm honest. I think you probably are right. Um, I do know that you and Kieran are going to get your heads together and think about his <laughs> next business venture. Absolutely. So yeah. The fact that you've met on this podcast there, is great. Yeah, <laughs> we love there it. Probably um, clashes on my current business as well. I did actually want to discuss with you, uh, David, as well. Um, <laughs> it's to do with the service, you know, the service department industry. It's a similar thing. So I want to run that past you as well. Absolutely. Um, Look, let's just cut. Let's contact it offline. And I think I really do think that, that that just underlines the importance of networking and getting out there mm. and talking to people and, yeah. you know, exploring your ideas and asking for help, not being not being shy to ask for help, because I, I honestly think that people are flattered if you do ask them um, mm. where you were flattered enough to come on to our podcast. absolutely it won't do it again though well i don't know liz was liz was quite nice i don't know about you mickey um the uh it's you know very very grateful to come on and and hopefully we can perhaps inspire some of the other small businesses out there to to think about how they can because it's hard right the psychology of it is hard the mindset is hard it's not easy going to bed every night with the weight of other people's um, incomes and mortgages and families on your on your shoulders and we we cannot forget that now you did promise me right at the beginning you were going to get one of your guitars out and play us or play us out of the podcast. So I think that was um, Ben, wasn't it? Ben was going to play no, us out of the podcast. No, no, you, oh, David. You, I can't you, I'm David. Gonna... You said you <laughs> or the said, ukulele. I, I thought I said Ben could play us out of the podcast. I mean, I can pick the I can pick the guitar. Whether it's in tune or not is another matter. Ooh, this well, is beginning well, to feel you like can, bullying. You can it tune does, it. Does a little bit, doesn't it, Declan? I'll. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> You can tune it while while we're just hearing uh, Simon. Any reflections on what's being said? I mean, I think David's got a really good point that what applies in Cardiff possibly applies around a lot of the other cities. Yes, there's no reason why Cardiff should be different from the rest of the the country. I mean, I think there is so much going on in the cities that doesn't get highlighted, and um, uh, and a, a lot of small businesses are looking to their cities for help rather than the national government. Um, and I think every every city has its own approach and also specializes in certain industries. And I think this is what this series is gonna show. 
I hope so. We're we're going to be in Belfast next week, looking at the situation there. Uh, Ollie and is Chang working. Working. Uh, Ollie's working on that as we speak. Um, so, Declan, anything final? Any final thoughts from you? Yeah, I, I, I think the policy challenge that comes from this, and Simon, you might uh, sort of agree or disagree with this. I'd be interested in your thought. I think the the policy challenge when you talk about leveling up the economy. Uh, and uh, improving wealth across the country, is how you get that variety that we've heard about in Cardiff that exists in the dominant cities around the UK and then recreate some of that magic in those smaller towns where there tends to be one big employer, whether it's steel in Port Talbot or bus making in Ballymena or towns... All of that. It's how you how you uh, encourage that ecosystem of innovation. And that's where small businesses come into their own. They are the cutting edge of innovation in so many sectors. That has to start, doesn't it? It has to start with the access to opening those businesses. So through education, through enterprise parks, through government schemes so that you can have that diversity and plurality, because that's the key to a really strong and actually when things like when you do have economic shocks there's less of a you know you do smooth out that curve don't you by having the variety of employers and training absolutely. and training and training yeah, and training, and training. Yeah, absolutely oh thank you declan i i <laughs> i thought i was I, I always think i'm you know a broken record on that subject <laughs> uh, the the only the only other way that i could bring a smile like that to your face is by saying and supply chains and supply yes chains and absolutely supply chains. well we'll get round to those very on you to save supply on. chains i'm glad i didn't go down that track <laughs> oh dirty talk okay. please <laughs> can david you hear her heavy breathing <laughs> david williams karen phillips thank you very very much it's been a fascinating conversation uh simon declan thank you uh harry Ben, George and Ollie who uh, do all the background stuff. Thank you very much for being with us. Mickey, see you next week. Um, and if you want to catch up on all of our conversations, interviews, podcasts, they're on the website backinbusiness.org.uk If you want to take part or you want to comment then tell us your experiences then email, contact us at backinbusiness.org.uk You can find us on LinkedIn, you can find us on Twitter at business underscore backin and we'll see you next week. And it's over to you, David Williams, to play us oh, out. I'm not going to play you out so we're going to. But I'm not singing. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye, guys. Take care. Bye. Take care.